Welcome back to Answers for Everything podcast. Today we're going to be talking about whether or not the Bible supports slavery. Now, a lot of people, they'll get confused and they'll say that the Bible supports it because, you know, there's rules in Leviticus and in uh, Judges and, yeah, in the Book of the Law. There's a lot of laws around how slavery is supposed to be done for Israel. Um, so a lot of people, they'll assume then that you know, God is saying slavery is good, that it's fine, you know, just do whatever you want, just make sure you don't, you know, knock their teeth out or something. Um, but that isn't actually even remotely a good picture of how this worked. So in order to understand um, the way that the Bible talks about slavery, first you have to understand the way that the cultures were back then. Um, so there was a lot of poverty, People, you know, it was very common that they couldn't make ends meet, that they couldn't feed themselves. Um, and what slavery was, well, slavery was different for every culture, right? Every culture had different different rules around how it worked. And in the Jewish culture, um, slaves, you know, basically they were trading work for a place to live, food, clothes. Um, it was actually a pretty good deal because they didn't have to worry about their food. They didn't have to worry about their clothes. They didn't have to worry about where they were going to sleep at night. That was their master's job, to, su like, to supply them with all of that. All they had to do was work. Now, I want to be clear, I am not saying that slavery, as we know it to be today, um, I'm not saying that that is good. But what I'm saying is, this wasn't even... By the way that we define slavery today, this wasn't even slavery. It really wasn't. It was almost like... I don't know, it was really just a business deal. You're trading work for a place to live and food to eat and, and clothes to wear. And, um, and very often, you know, the slaves, they would find, you know, a husband or a wife through their master and they would be allowed to get married. They'd be allowed to have kids. So it really wasn't the way that we picture it. You know, there wasn't the whole whipping thing. I mean, sure, there were probably some masters who did that, um, but they weren't allowed to. That's the difference. And, um, as you'll find, as we go through the rules that the Bible sets, uh, you know, the slaves actually, they didn't have to stick with their master if their master was cruel. They didn't have to stay. They were allowed to leave whenever they needed to. And anyone that they ran to was required by law to shelter them and to provide for their needs. So, you know, they were really protected, actually. Um, but the laws in the Bible for slavery can be divided into three groups. There's the group for Jewish slaves, uh, a different group for uh, foreign slaves, and then a third group, which is universal laws, so it covered all of slavery. Um, the reason that there's some difference is because for the Jewish slaves, it was more like a bankruptcy plan. So if someone got into debt, they couldn't pay themselves off, um, they could actually just go and work for someone else as a slave for seven years, you know, they'd have all their needs provided for them, they would work for seven years, and then their debt would be gone, and they would be set free. Um, and for foreign slaves, you know, like, you can't, if you take a prisoner of war, this was more so the kinds of slaves that they would have then, um, was prisoners of war, and, you know, even in today's society, you can't just take them home and release them into your nation, right? You have to actually keep tabs on them because you don't know where their alliances lie. So for prisoners of war, it was like community service, really. And again, they were they had their food and their clothes and their shelter provided for them. 
Um, so they were actually getting a really good deal. Nowadays, I don't know exactly what we do with prisoners of war, but nowadays I guess it would look more like community service as well, right? Um, another reason that there was slavery, uh, particularly for the Jews, was that back then, if a woman didn't have a husband or a father or some male figure in the family to take care of her, um, she would very likely starve to death because there wasn't a whole lot of work for women back then. Um, so slavery was actually almost a safety net for them because they could go and work for someone and they would have all their needs provided for them. They could work as a slave. Um, again, this is not in the terms that we would use these days for slavery. Uh, back then it is really more a bankruptcy plan for them. Um, and some people will say, well, if the woman, if her husband dies, then why can't she just go find another husband? Well, again, because of culture, and this is not supported by the Bible, by the way, it, this kind of thinking is not supported by the Bible. Um, but back then, if a woman was no longer a virgin, it was highly unlikely that any man would marry her. Uh, so that is why there is also this other option for them, so that they would have a place to go when they have no one else to provide for them. So one of the rules for Jewish slaves was that they would be released after the seventh year of serving. Um, and then, you know, their debt was completely canceled. They would be completely free. And in most nations, this was like a permanent debt, right? Like most nations, there was no way to pay off debt. You're pretty much stuck in slavery. Um, but not in the Jewish nation. In the Jewish nation, seven years, then it's paid off. And then they're free to go and start their own life. Or what they could also do, um, if they preferred, they could also stay with that master. But in the case where they were going to stay with that master, you know, that was a vow. Um, but it was completely voluntary. And actually very often they would do this because it was a lot easier for them. You know, because then they don't have to worry about their food. They don't have to worry about their shelter. You know, they don't have to worry about anything. All they have to do is work and their master will provide everything. So it was actually a very good deal for some people. Um, and, you know, when a man or a woman was released, the master also was also commanded to give them some sheep, grain, wine, you know, whatever they needed to get started again. Um, and when a man sold himself as a slave to pay off debt, he was paid half of what a slave is worth. And this would help pay off his debt. So he would get payment for himself. He was actually being... Like, it's like wages, right? He was actually being bought off of himself. And if the man became a slave with his family, he would be released with his family. Um, but if the master gave the slave a wife, then the woman and any children she had would belong to the master. Um, they would either remain with the master, or the man could also remain there with his family, right? And have the master take care of all their needs, and they just work for him. Um, or else he could probably also buy them back if he had the money. Um, and if a man chooses that he would rather remain with his family, of course he can do that, and he would be taken care of for the rest of his life. Um, if a man sells himself as a slave, then the master must not make him work like a slave, but must treat him like a hired worker, like a visitor, until he's set free. Um, so that 
I think that right there already differentiates between the way that Jews did slavery versus how other people did slavery. Um, you know, they weren't actually treated the way that most people would treat a slave. They were actually treated like an employee or almost like a guest even. Um, and if a slave makes enough money to buy himself back, then he can do that too. Um, and their price is determined based on how long they've served. The longer that they've served, the less debt they have to pay off, right? So then the cheaper that it is to buy themselves back. So next we have the rules that cover all of slavery. So these are the universal rules for Jewish slaves or foreign slaves. Um, the first one is that if a man sells his daughter into slavery, there are rules for setting her free. And they are different from the rules of setting the man free. Um, so for example, if her master wanted to marry her, but then decides he's not pleased with her, then he must let one of her close relatives buy her back. And he has no right to sell her to foreigners, so he can't just, you know, take her to some distant land and sell her to total strangers. She has to go back to her family. Um, and this is because he has treated her unfairly. If the man who bought her promised to let her marry his son, then he must treat her as a daughter, not as a slave. Um, if the man who bought her marries another woman, then he must not keep from his slave um, any food, clothing, or marital rights. Okay, so it has to be completely even. She must still get the exact same amount that she would have without him marrying that other woman. Um, and if he does not continue to provide her with her share of these three things, then she can go free. She owes him no money. She's debt-free. She can go wherever she pleases. Um, so this is not to say that a man should have more than one wife, but this is protection for the woman. Um, if a man beats his slave, whether male or female, and the slave dies, the owner will be punished. If the slave gets well in a day or two, the owner will not be punished since the slave belongs to him. Um, however, the owner will have already lost money having to take care of the slave and make sure that they recover, right? Um, and this actually goes according to the way that the law was anyways. If you hurt somebody, you had to pay to help them recover, right? You had to, to do whatever it took to help them recover and, um, and make sure that they didn't lose money during that recovery time. Um, and if a man causes his slave to lose an eye or a tooth or any kind of permanent damage. Those are just the examples that were given. Um, but if there's any kind of permanent damage, then the owner is punished by both paying the slave for it and freeing him. So the slave goes completely free of debt and gets paid uh, for their injuries. So now we move on to the rules for foreign slaves. Um, these rules are specifically for prisoners of war. Because, you know, it's dangerous to just set people free after war. Um, and they didn't exactly have a prison to put them in like we do nowadays. So, you know, there was slavery, which was another option. But it was essentially just another form of community service. Um, and there was still rules around them for how they had to be treated and to make sure that they're protected. So if the Israeli army captured a city and the soldiers saw a woman that they wanted to marry... He was allowed to take her to his home, um, but there she would be given new clothes and be given time to mourn for, you know, whatever she had lost before the man was allowed to marry her. Um, if the man was later not pleased with her, 
such as maybe not convinced that she was a virgin or who knows, you know. Um, then he had to let her go wherever she wished. And he could not sell her. And he could not make her a slave because in this case he would have taken away her honor, right? So then, yeah, if he turns out not to want her, he had to let her go. Now, I haven't found all the rules for the way that the slaves were. Um, but there's two more rules here that apply to all slaves. And these rules were put in place to protect all slaves. So in Deuteronomy 23, verse 15 to 16, it says that if a slave runs away and finds shelter with someone who is not his master, then that man must ha not hand him over to his master. He must let the slave live with him for as long as the slave chooses. Nobody can mistreat him. Um, and this is to ensure that if the slave is being treated harshly by his master, he can escape. So if a master wanted to keep his slaves with him, then he had to treat them properly. Um, and anybody that they run to was required by law to protect them. So, yeah. So this really makes sure that if there's anything not right going on, like there is an escape for the slave. Um... Then we've got Deuteronomy 24, verse 7, which makes it clear that only time anyone can be made into an unwilling slave is when there are prisoners of war. Um, and, you know, this is actually the same deal that, that you would get these days if you're a prisoner of war. Um, and considering the time of it, you know, like back then, if you're a prisoner of war or even nowadays, in any other nation, um, they would probably be unprotected, they could be tortured, they could be killed. So taking everything into account, basically, there's two labels that would fit these groups better than, than the title slavery. Um, so first there's a bankruptcy plan for anybody in debt that needs to get out of it. It's a seven-year bankruptcy plan, and afterwards they go free. And then there's community service, and this is for prisoners of war. So yeah, that is all we've got for this episode. Um, let me know if you've got questions. You can send either a voice message or, um, well, those who read my blog can find me there. And yeah, thanks for listening.